Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. Hey, everyone, we're back. Welcome to episode four of Bel Air, the official podcast. I am DJ Jazzy Jeff. And I am today's guest host, Miles Gray. You might know me from my podcast, The Daily Zeitgeist, but today I have the honor of riding shotgun with a legend, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I just watched the sixth episode of Bel Air mm. and man it had it all yeah. it had me thinking many things like having realizations and also feeling sorry for carlton how was episode <laughs> six for you listen it was heavy it was good to kind of see a little bit more of a vulnerable carlton yeah and actually for will to be the compassionate one so that pulled on my heartstrings a little bit yeah and i feel like it's one of those things too like in the beginning people were like man i can't stand carlton but <laughs> when you start watching this show and you really yeah. get to this point you'll start being like I might be Carlton. Yeah. I'm also dealing with things that have me living a little bit of internal turmoil, but you begin to really see the human being. And I think that's mm -hmm. really one of the most beautiful aspects of this episode. Yeah, it is. And today we're going to be talking about the theme of mental health. The original show, Mental Health, really wasn't talked about because it really wasn't talked about that much in the 90s. But right. here is really being explored head on, especially through Carlton. Yeah. In episode six, for those of you who are watching along, like you should be, you probably saw Carlton has this breakdown and it's a very powerful scene where you kind of see everything come to head for him emotionally. I got to ask you, though, mm -hmm. in doing the original series, what was the most emotional moment that you remember being a part of not to like say that there weren't that many but for you what was a moment that really pulled at you that felt you know like oh wow i'm i'm part of this well you know it's funny i think it's the same moment that most people with the first run of the show was will talking about his father mm -hmm. that was something that i think really really resonated especially for people who grew up in single parent homes mm -hmm. or in situations like that that was something that I think was one of the most iconic scenes on television, period. So I really love the fact that this new iteration of the show is really pulling on realism and emotion kind of like that scene. Right. There's one thing about, you know, TV shows, there's escapism, right? And you don't always want to talk about the realist stuff out there. Mm -hmm. But in this way, I think most of the episodes, they're really bringing to the forefront a lot of nuanced conversations that people aren't normally having. And I think it's a really great entry point for people. But why do you think it's easier to talk about mental health now? Like you said, wasn't really a topic that was discussed mm -hmm. in the 90s. So why do you think we see Carlton struggling with anxiety and drugs here? Like when that wasn't necessarily a part of the original uh, identity of Carlton. What I think is interesting, it may have been a part of the original, but we didn't have access like social media, things like that. To, to bring it to the forefront. Right. I think so many of these things were happening, but we just didn't see them. And now they're brought to light, you know, especially through social media. Absolutely. So we get to talk about all these things, mental health and stress and the evolution of Carlton as a character with our guest today, Ali Sholatin, who plays Carlton, and TJ Brady, who's one of the show's co-showrunners. Ali is a Nigerian-American actor and singer who grew up in Houston and studied musical theater at UCLA. All right, go Bruins. You shout out my yeah. alma mater. And TJ is a writer and producer who has written for and produced such shows as Army Wives, Lie to Me, and The Fix. Thank you all for stopping by to talk Bel Air with us. Yo, thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Just to start off very broadly, it's this topic of mental health. 
It wasn't really something that was overtly addressed in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But now I think with this sort of, you know, much more realistic reimagining of this world, it really takes the spotlight and center stage. And I'm just curious what the process was to, to sort of say that, you know, this is this actually is a very important part of the telling of this story. Well, when Rashid and I got the writer's room together on this, a lot of our writer's room had experience being a person of color in a private school, being in a situation like Carlton. And we also had the opportunity to talk to different people who had gone through that experience, especially out here in LA. Various private schools where people of color do go, but they are one of just a handful of black or brown uh, students in the student body. And we talked about what that experience was like, and they said it is rife with stresses. You know, there's all the stresses of high school, and then you add that level of stress on top of it, and a huge difference is the wealth provides an access to drugs that a lot of people <laughs> in what I would say uh, average income households could never afford and access to places and experiences that they could never afford. And that just kept coming up over and over and over again. And we feel that we would not have been doing our jobs as storytellers of setting this this reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in today's you know 2022 world if we didn't address that and we chose to address it through Carlton. So it sounds like in a way, the way the writers' room functioned very organically, right? Like it's not that you necessarily went into this to say this is exactly how we were going to depict Carlton Banks. It's now mm. if we're going to be real, let's really rely on the lived experiences of the people contributing to the writing of the show and and then like arrive at this place. Absolutely. It arose out organically, as you say. It wasn't something that we decided to shoehorn in for the purposes of drama or making people sit up and take notice. It has made people sit up and take notice, which is great, but it arose from a very pure place of looking at who would this character be in 2022 America. Right. And so I guess a natural question would be, Ollie, for you, how much did you relate to the pressures that Carlton is experiencing? What was that process like? How was that for you? So I'm a first generation American. I'm a child of immigrants. And that, you know, that comes with a very interesting pressure of recognizing at all times that my parents fought tooth and nail to come to this country to give me the present that I have now. But I, I remember growing up, it was always so apparent to me that like I have to succeed. Do or do not, there is no try. I have to do great. And I, you know, I think I, Ollie, learned how to cope with that pressure and that stress in a healthy way. But I think what fascinated me so much about Carlton coming into this was that's just such an, such an overly common way to deal with the stress and anxiety of the pressure of wanting so bad to succeed and, and please your father and, and please yourself. But then also added on top of that, what TJ was talking about being the only black person yeah. in these really white spaces. You know, they always say we have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, I went to UCLA and that's a predominantly white institution. You, we all had this running joke that like all the black people on campus knew each other because there were so few of us. Mm. And, you know, in a way th there's this sense of survival that that builds. It's so subconscious. 
it's very interesting how certain people are like, oh my God, Carlton would never do this. But I think a lot of viewers, are, they're, they're getting it. They're like, nah, the more I think about it, this makes sense. It makes sense that this is the way that he is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's, to me, what was the most intriguing parts about Bel Air, right? Is that we're really taking everything we saw from Fresh Prince and yes. putting it through a lens of what's real, right? Because I completely identify with that. I'm half black and I'm half Japanese. Yes. I grew up in LA and I was a token or I was somebody who was told I wasn't black enough or Asian mm -hmm. enough. And that is toxic. That really breaks you down and really messes up uh, your sense of self. And to see mm -hmm. that actually manifest in the sort of trauma and trials and tribulations that Carlton goes through, I was like, you know what? Carlton suddenly became the most relatable character to me. Yes. Whereas before, yes. you know, like Jeff, when it was the Fresh Prince days, I remember Carlton's depiction through the lens of blackness was like, he's corny or he's a sellout, right? When they were, when they were trying to get into that fraternity, that was like criticism levied at him. Mm -hmm. And now it's so much more nuanced, right? It means it's a very humane look at what does that mean to be navigating white spaces as a black person and the ways we change who we are to try and adapt and what the fallout of that is. I think one of the things that really resonated is how this was picked up from the 90s and moved to 2022. And someone said, what if this was real? And I think this is an exact <laughs> real depiction of what it would be like. Carlton would absolutely be like this. He would absolutely have these issues and these problems. These are very real world problems that I think they were nailed in the show of showing what would actually happen if this was real. I keep saying that it's very, very easy to look at this version of Carlton and whether it's, you know, calling him a coon, calling him a whatever, he's surviving. This is a kid mm -hmm. that, in my opinion, he's he, he's surviving against, you know, the whiteness of his school, his fragile sense of blackness. And also he's surviving against his own mind because on top yes. of this whole thing, you know, he's so unbelievably anxious about how he's perceived at all times, about, you know, how his father relates to him, how Will coming into his life changes the dynamic in his family. And, you know, he's acting out because, yeah, it, let's not forget he is 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? This isn't like a 25-year-old adult who has the emotional intelligence to catalog everything and go, okay, this is how I feel about this. Like, he's 16 and he's just trying mm -hmm. to survive. Right. And the way you sort of phrase that, right, you know, because Will coming into is, again, another check on not only his masculinity, his blackness, perceived blackness. Are you as black as Will from Philly? Yeah. Uh, you're just Carlton from Bel Air. And again, you know, I think a really uh, underrated aspect of operating in a predominantly white society is you're constantly having to check yourself to make sure you are kind of not rocking the boat or you're not trying to make a big show of things. So for someone in a developmental phase, you can see how that could be exceptionally insidious and and, and hurtful. Mm. But th which brings me to the moment, right, where you have your breakdown uh, in mm -hmm. episode six, where it's actually Will who is the shoulder that you lean on in that moment. Look, man, it's all right. It's okay. I can't go out there like this, man. I can't. It's all right. <laughs> Bro, just rest up, okay, man? It's gonna be all right. I got you. TJ, I'm curious. We see the dynamic between Carlton and Will, that how much tension there is there. But this is like a moment where we're sort of seeing them 
begin to really connect to each other. Was that intentional? Was that just sort of like it made sense in the writing of it? Maybe we wanted it to be Will or, or how did how did we kind of get to that point? We thought it was natural that it would be Will because despite their apparent differences uh, where they grew up and outlook, they're not that different from one another. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, they're both very cool cats, okay? Uh, Carlton at lacrosse excels. Will excels at basketball. They are both uh, people of color in a predominantly white space. They have small things that get magnified because of the pressure mm -hmm. and the crucible that they've been put in and the situation they're in. But ultimately, Will would be the one to understand Carlton and how he's feeling and what he's going through better than anybody. Right. Yeah. And that's what we yeah. wanted to reflect. And it, it seemed only natural. And I think when people watch that scene, they're going to completely understand and agree. And I think both actors knocked it out of the park. Yes, that was very powerful. I think that scene was probably my favorite scene to film in the, in the whole season. Because it just, I think it's a very cool turning point in Will and Carlton's relationship, first of all. But then also on a larger scale, there's a shot at the end that I don't, I don't know if it makes it in yet. But there's a shot at the end where Will is just holding Carlton. As, mm -hmm. as you know, Carlton's just in his arms. And I think that that speaks so much to male relationships because when was the last time on tv you saw two men mm, two straight mm, men like platonically embracing each other and and offering each other emotional support i think that this show does such a beautiful beautiful job of speaking to so many aspects of mental health because mm -hmm. yes it's one thing to highlight oh you know there are people that struggle with mental health but also to highlight ways in which you can support someone going through a mental health crisis i just think it's beautiful it seems like, you know, like a 90s depiction of someone in like a mental health crisis would be like, uh oh, they're freaking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was there wasn't a lot of empathy going towards somebody who was having some kind of emotional crisis. And I'm curious for you, Jeff, seeing the show and the version that Carlton was in the series you mm -hmm. were in versus now, how have you even seen an evolution just generally, even amongst your peers, your your family and friends, what the perception is of mental health and, and how important it's become. Because I feel like it's only recently we're, we're being more open, especially in the black community, talking about mental health. Well, I mean, we didn't talk about it. Not to be insensitive. It was the crazy person. Right. You know, it was very dismissive. You know, no one really understood the pressures that people had, especially in the inner city that you have. That um, it wasn't until recently that people really started to open up and it became a thing that people started dressing and trying to fix. So this was so perfect to watch because what TJ said, Will and Carlton are not that different. Matter of fact, Will probably has more experience in dealing with that than Carlton does. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why he could be the one to embrace him and Say, I got it. See, I understand. How do you think this experience is going to impact Will and Carlton, Carlton's relationship going forward in the show? You know, without you don't have to reveal too much, but I'd imagine this is a turning point, yeah? Well, we know how it impacts. As Ali said, it is a turning point in their relationship. Carlton being that vulnerable in front of Will after all the puffing out each other's chest and going at each other and trying to take each other down a peg and competition for attention in the home and in the school, that vulnerability and Will's willingness to accept that vulnerability and comfort Carlton is a turning point. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like all of a sudden the next day, everything's healed. 
but they're on the way to a different relationship after that moment. And so that was a very exciting. I think I said that to you and uh, Jabari before the filming of that scene, right? Ali, yeah. we had a little, a little meeting before that scene and what it meant and how important it was, not mm. just for the episode, but for the series. I feel like on some level, the audience knows or hopes at least, you know, based off of what we know of the original, that it's like, okay, well, Carlton and Will should eventually become friends, right? I think like the, the writers really did sort of have this very challenging issue of when you in a way know where a specific relationship is going to end, how do you make it feel organic and make it feel worth it? The bond that I think that Carlton and Will are going to have, like I think scenes like this justify that in a way, like mm -hmm. that that brotherly, that deep, like, look, I got you no matter what till the ends of the earth. Whew. I don't know, I'm getting chills even just talking about it. It's, it's I want to be clear that uh, a different relationship or a more brotherly or friendly relationship does not mean a relationship free of conflict. Some of the biggest conflicts we have are with people we love who are members of our families. It's not, it doesn't mean like all of a sudden they're, you know, best friends, skipping down the stairs together, <laughs> singing songs. There's plenty of conflict in their future. The conflict, you know, it's anchored in a different place. That's all it means. But there still will be conflict and drama and plenty for people to get spun up and get emotional and, and tweet about if they want to. <laughs> hey, TJ, I got a question for you. I want to know what made you decide to make Carlton so much more complex than it was in the original series? Um, part of it is, again, talking to a lot of people with similar experiences and having some of those people in our writer's room. A lot of people in Carlton's situation were cool. You have money, you have athletic ability, mm -hmm. um, you're smart, you're intelligent. In a lot of these private school spaces, that makes you cool. That makes you a somebody. But every single one of the people who had that, a lot of them expressed a concern. They didn't know if it was, uh, am I really cool? Am I kind of a tokenized mm. version of cool so that all these rich white kids can say, look at my black friend. There's no way I can be racist. Mm -hmm. So there's an uneasiness about the coolness that you have, which right there, that's the levels and levels of complexity and stress on a 16-year-old brain that is just ripe for mining great story out of. And so that's kind of where it came from. Right. And even like with like the relationship between like Lisa and Carlton, uh, you know, in this episode, she has this poignant line that, you know, seems to resonate mm. with Carlton where she says, Honestly, I think Carlton uses my vulnerability as a way to get closer to me. <sighs> Tiptoeing around his emotions is exhausting. And I just want to work through my own shit without trying to navigate his. What were you bringing to light with the sort of dynamic between Lisa and Carlton as it relates to, you know, his emotions? I mean, Lisa and Carlton go way back. Their families are very close. They were very close. Part of the stuff that Simone, the actress who plays Lisa, brought to it was having a discussion with us and I think with Ali about what she liked about Carlton. How did they get together? You know, the fact that they were sort of drawn to one another by virtue of being in a similar situation, of gravitating towards somebody else who understood what it was like to, to have to operate in this white space as a person of color, and, and how feelings can grow out of that on top of the family history. And with the Lisa character, we wanted to dimensionalize her deeper than just the love interest or the point of friction 
in a love triangle between Carlton and Will. She had to have her own point of view, her own wants, needs, desires, fears, flaws, vulnerabilities. Getting to know who this character was after we cast her and saw what she could do in the earlier episodes, it wasn't that difficult to put lines like that coming out of the mouth of that character because it was clear she was a three-dimensional, intelligent character who would have complicated feelings herself. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when Phil came in and Carlton actually thought he was caught. Dad? Feeling better, son? Uh, yeah, a little. I think I know what happened with you today. Well, what's been happening with you? Look, uh, Dad, I'm sorry, okay? I, I can explain. I... Anxiety. You've all seen the, the pressure you've been putting on yourself to make the day perfect for Lisa. You gotta show yourself some grace, son. Y yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster. And the way Phil kind of lended his support to his anxiety was amazing. It looked like it freaked Carlton out, like, okay, I'm busted. Um, I think it's wild to realize that is Will the only person that knows that Carlton is doing drugs along with anxiety? Actually, yes. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. Lisa, does Lisa know? Lisa knows you're into some things, but the only person in the house. Yeah. Will is really, and and I think that's so, that goes back to the writers. I think that's a really great nugget of storytelling in that, you know, the person who Carlton sees as his biggest adversary throughout this whole life thing ends up being the only person that meets him with understanding when he he sort of uncovers this really deep, dark secret of his. Yeah, my heart almost sank when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, here it comes. And he he went the anxiety route and you just kind of picked up. Yeah, yeah, that's it. How important I mean, to TJ and Ollie? I mean, I get that, you know, the the impetus to have Carlton, this portrayal of him was rooted in the experiences of the writers and, and really wanting to honor those experiences. Um, but what are like for the two of you, your hopes by obviously it's a very conscious decision to say we're going to center mental health as a dimension of this narrative so people can have a more, you know, deeper understanding of these characters. What is your hope that what the viewers take away from that, whether that's someone who is open about their anxiety and they're like, oh, look, they're they, good. I see someone like me also going through something or maybe someone who is shying away from those kinds of talks and may, you know, on some level identify with what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, part of it is um, allowing people who are struggling with the same thing to identify with it, to see it portrayed, to see that they are not alone. Another part of it is, and I can't speak to this, but it comes from my writing partner, Rashid, the unwillingness, you know, in some pockets of the black community to acknowledge some of the mental health difficulties that, that members of the community are having. And it was important to Rashid to portray that and hopefully maybe start a dialogue. Even if one viewer gets to have a dialogue with their family about this because of this show, then that is a huge win. And that is, you know, using this show for a bigger platform than just entertainment. And much like the original series would highlight issues that cause discussions that at the time were very, you know, groundbreaking, we, we aspire to do the same thing. Yeah, I found that every project, every, um, every character I play sort of teaches me a lesson. The thing I learned 
with Carlton is the strength of compassion. And that's what I hope people get to take away in the struggle with mental health, the sense, the the lesson of compassion, both for yourself and patience with yourself and patience with sort of where you are in the journey of life. Because I, you know, I also think so much of the pressure for Carlton is, I'm going to say, a lack of compassion for just where he is in life. You know what I mean? He's so frustrated with having to deal with all of this that he's lashing out. But that's sort of supported and fixed with compassion from Will. I think that my hopeful biggest takeaway is the strength of compassion. This is all, I think, part of this really beautiful part of this reimagining of the show is that it's it makes everything suddenly more relatable, suddenly much easier to talk about. And I had a question more like to, as it relates to, you know, how Carlton copes right by using drugs. Um, what was sort of the thought process behind his drug use, how that works? And like you were saying, too, that there is a class element to it, right, is that because of the wealth uh, of the family, drugs are very easy to come by. And I'm sure in a culture of a very affluent, you know, area where I've seen firsthand, sometimes it's easier to take substances than actually talk about your problems. How did that kind of weave into how you wanted to portray this uh, story arc? The environment that Carlton has to live in is full of this. I mean, in the pilot episode, they're at a party and just People doing lines on a table in full view of everybody, because that's what people do at these parties. That's what these kids do at these parties. And they have access to it. And it's not only tolerated, it, it it's part of what makes them cool. And just portraying that, you know, just trying to root the show and ground the show in the here and now is, is where that part came from. And Ali, I'll kick it to you. I do also want to point out that, again, on a first watch, it's very, very easy to just kind of be like, yeah, you know, Carlton, just doing lines whenever he pleases. But I think it's very, very interesting to to look at when he does these drugs. Mm. Mm. In the first episode, he does it before a party. Um, he does it while at the party. In In the third episode, he does it, you know, after that lacrosse game that no one shows up to and he's he's starting to have an anxiety attack. In the sixth episode, he he does it after hearing what Lisa says about him. And so, and actually there's in the fourth episode, this scene didn't make it uh, to the final cut, but um, I think it was just because of time. But in it, uh, it's right before the family gets together to talk about what they're going to do for the campaigning. Carlton's in his room and he's practicing uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm going door to door for Philip Banks, your next LA district attorney, yada, yada, yada. Um, but he's really anxious about it. And he's just not, you know, he's fumbling over his words. He's, and, and he's just like panicking and he paces around his room. He looks over to his closet and he goes and he does a line. And mm-hmm. so again, in all of this, you see that he's not just doing this for fun. This is his way of coping with his mind racing, with his mind and his heart racing and ping-ponging, you know, emotions back and forth. This is sort of the way to kind of blur everything out. You know what I mean? Everything's so much more nuanced, right? It's not just the idea that, oh, this person abuses drugs because their life's so chaotic. You're also saying like just a more an idea of when people decide Mm -hmm. to use, if they are, if they do Mm -hmm. have addictions they're struggling with. Sometimes people just like, I need to get right before I talk to people. And that's, but Mm -hmm. I'm in a lot of social situations. So that has accelerated my drug or my reliance on, you know, drugs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting, like you're saying that it's almost 
again, it is a coping mechanism, but it's becoming a crutch for him to just be able to navigate things that are typically shouldn't be an issue for somebody who's, you know, uh, confident and healthy and handsome and all that. Exactly. For someone who... Right. Yeah, for yeah, like for this 16-year-old kid who everyone looks at as just like super smart, promising future, he's athletic, he's good at sports, he's popular at school. Like why, you know what I'm saying? When I talked to him, he was pretty cool. You know, he was super funny. Yeah. He was charming. He was all of these things. It's not everything that glitters is gold. Right. Ali, you spoke about a foundation, Loveland, that keeps black women and women of color and helps them get therapy for mental health issues free of charge. Why is this organization so important to you? Oh my goodness. I love the Loveland Foundation. I love, love, love the Loveland Foundation. Um, quick plug. Yeah, as of last year, I'm probably going to do this every birthday from now on. Uh, as of last year for my birthday on April 5th, um, I do a, a donation drive for the Loveland Foundation. And it's so important to me for a few reasons. A, you know, we are going through a mental health crisis as just as a population and specifically as a young population, you know, mm. we, we are going through a mental health crisis and a lot of people just don't know how to deal with how overstimulating life is. Um, mm. And then that specifically, I think that we place a lot of pressure on black women. I have, I have a little sister, you know, she's 19. Um, and watching her just grow up and go through life is, has been just one of the most interesting things because we place a lot of pressure on our black women to kind of bear the weight of the world. Our women in general, but specifically black women, you know, to, to bear the weight of the world emotionally, um, psychologically. There is, there is so much taxing on the psyche of a black woman that it represents the, the impetus and ability to, to give back and rectify that. And on top of that, it's it's just this really unfortunate thing that we're going through this mental health crisis and access to mental health solutions is specifically limited to the very privileged population because therapy doesn't fall under most insurances. Like there are so few, finding a therapist is A, such a convoluted and difficult process. And then on top of that, it's usually very, very expensive. So you end up finding that the people who need act like access to therapy the most just can't afford it or they don't have time to find it. That is absolutely beautiful and needed. Now, I know this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm curious, Ali, what do you want to see for Carlton in season two? I mean, to be honest, I think even with where season one eventually goes, I think Carlton does still have, you know, quite a journey to to go on in, in terms of his struggles with mental health. I'm excited to see more of him and Will. I remember after Jabari and I filmed that scene in episode six, we were like, oh my God, we like probably get to hang out on, on camera now, maybe. Right. <laughs> because like Jabari and I are, you know, we're good friends and like we hang out outside of work, but we're like, every time we come to work, we're just mad at each other. Dude. <laughs> right. You're like, can we get one episode where we're just kicking? Like, yeah, fun. you know, like, <laughs> Will and Carlton gaming, you know, I don't know. They work out together. Will teaches Carlton basketball. Like, right. I don't know. Carlton teaches him how to use the lacrosse stick. Let's, that's <laughs> that's what I'm going for here. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and he shows you how to ride a dirt bike, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With you know, no hands. Philly yeah. stuff. 
Ooh, yeah, exactly. you know what, TJ? I think uh, I want Will to take Carlton back to Philly. Carlton learns how to use the word John. He learns <laughs> how to use go. the word bull. Yo, okay, I think yeah. we're cooking with gas here. There you go. And you have a Sixers throwback on. It's right there. Yep. There you go. Right there. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, that was a fantastic conversation uh, with Ollie and TJ. Great insight into Carlton, who's been making a lot of waves. A lot. lot. Yeah, and I think, and for good reason. I mean, like, this show's doing such a great job of giving more dimension and depth to a character. I think otherwise people would just be like, man, I don't like them. Yeah. But I think the more you watch it, you're like, I don't like them, but I get where they're coming from. I I understand it. I understand. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Next week, we'll be talking about the themes of social media with Coco Jones, who plays Hillary, and Jordan L. Jones, who plays Jazz. And check out the next episode of Bel Air Streaming on Peacock next Thursday and come back to the podcast every Friday to hear more. Bel Air, the official podcast, is produced by iHeart Podcast Network and Peacock. The show is hosted by me, DJ Jazzy Jeff. And by me, Miles Gray. Supervising producer, Mike Coscarelli. Producer and mastering engineer, Bahid Frazier. Executive producers from iHeart are Nikki Etor, Anna Stumpf, and me, Miles Gray. Executive producers from Peacock are Lindsay Vogelman, Amber Ferguson. And special thanks to Will Pearson from iHeart and Michael Scoggin from Peacock.